um, what about, what do you think of that last song? Be still and know that I'm with you. There's a little history behind that song. It's, it's written and recorded by a group known as, ready for this? The Fray. F-R-A-Y. The Fray. Oh, six or seven years old. <coughs> the, uh, these kids all met at a private Christian school somewhere in the Denver area. They, they started playing music together in a praise and worship band. And then they were like a, a really big hit uh, for a year or two. Uh, that, that's off of one of their secular albums. They, they never released any Christian music, per se, for the Christian market. But they, <clears throat> they wrote a lot of very successful kind of... Um, this, sort of college alternative pop music. And then they worked in little songs like this in the, in the album. I've, I stumbled across this song kind of by accident. How many of you ever watch NCIS? The original NCIS, okay. So this, uh, two weeks ago, was Abby's last show, right? Um, this is the song that played while she was cleaning out her office and carrying her boxes out of her lab at the very end. Uh, and I went, huh, I should look that up. It's a wonderful song. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. I'm so glad we found it. It's just sweet and so true. Oh, did you recover f from the sort of? I'm very proud of you for being here. We had given you up for lost. Oh. Yeah, tell me about it. Gosh, it takes me so long just to get my eye makeup right. But uh, well, you don't need it. You look wonderful. You look wonderful. It was a good party. And I, I know from talking to the police chief yesterday that no actual calls were made to law enforcement. So I guess it must have been okay. All right. Um, God is good. And all the time? Was Mariah pleased? It's hard to tell with Mariah. So. The baby, yeah. <laughs> well, then that's one thing you don't have to worry about. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to show you a picture. And you're going to tell me what it's a picture of. A prayer service of some kind. That would, I, somebody responding to a message. That's good. I don't, I don't expect anybody to get the answer. Um, but the, but the, sometimes the Holy Spirit surprises me. So I just thought I'd give you give you a shot <coughs> at but it's it's kind of impressive looking isn't it all those people up just kind of humbling themselves for prayer in front of the altar <coughs> going once 
going, what? <laughs> oh, oh, so you know, Mike already knows because he saw, he's, he's seen it. It's not a trick question. It's, this is uh, Brownsville Assembly in Pensacola, Florida, about 1998. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about Brownsville Assembly. Um, I mean, a lot of things have happened between 1995 and today. Um, 23 years ago, Brownsville Assembly was the hottest ticket in America, uh, from away, so to speak, <clears throat> because there was a revival going on down there. And uh, so the story goes, the, um, the pastor at Brownsville Assembly, Assembly of God Church, the pastor at Brownsville Assembly, and his people prayed for two years, just God send revival to Pensacola, God send revival to Pensacola, God send revival to Pensacola. This was Father's Day of 1995. Um, the, uh, the pastor preached on, well, the, the pastor had just invited in uh, a traveling evangelist named Steve Hill from someplace else. I'm not sure, it seems like he was from South Africa or someplace like that, but anyhow, uh, Steve Hill was there and he, and he preached this sort of Father's Day message that was uh, about repentance uh, and coming back to the Lord and, and, and something kind of like this happened people just flooded out and um, there was some wonderful music playing about repentance and people just started crying and they just started repenting and they just started coming back to, to the Lord and um, to make a long story short, uh, the same thing happened the next Sunday, and the same thing happened. Steve Hill was only supposed to be there for the weekend, and then he was supposed to go on someplace else, and he ended up staying there for four years. Uh, <clears throat> and and the, the power of God just seemed to be there, seemed to touch a lot of people's lives. Uh, there were, you know, all sorts of manifestations of the uh, the, the Pentecostal Assembly of God type gifts of the Spirit with speaking in tongues and uh, being slain in the Spirit and uh, people being um, delivered from alcoholism and uh, marriages being renewed and um, they, the church says they never actually documented healings but people reported uh, being healed of physical afflictions and it just went on and on and on to the point where they were meeting pretty much every, every day, multiple services, and people would drive from all over the country and camp in the parking lot overnight so they could get into the service the next day. The estimate was that in the heyday of the revival, which went from 1995 to 2000-ish, um, at least two and a half million people show up for church. Um, <clears throat> so, so that was a thing. Uh, and uh, it wasn't the only place these kind of events were taking place. There was a re revival going on in Toronto. There's one that eventually sprung out of this in New Kansas City um, where it seemed like the Holy Spirit was just moving in lots of people's lives. Um, and it's very very significant for the body of Christ. And with that as a little backdrop, 
Let's return to Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> Pretty sure, Rita, that's the last time you were here. We were in like Acts chapter 3. So, anyhow, this is what we are. No, you don't. August, was, was, this coming August will be two years in the book of Acts, and there's, we're almost, we're now in chapter 10. But we're in the, the back end of chapter 10. So I'm, I'm, instead of doing a little review, I'm just going to... The review actually comes if we just pick up where we left off because this, this is Peter and Cornelius, Peter going to the house of Cornelius, and in the process of meeting each other, they end up telling what happened for the beginning of chapter 10 on. So let's just read this. And I... You know, I... The way I study to get ready, for, the way I study the word and the way I get ready for preaching is I, as I'm reading, I hit little phrases that just some, for some reason just jump out to me. Let me go, huh. So I've underlined or highlighted those because uh, this, this is all important stuff that, that springs out of this narrative. On the next day, Peter got up and he went away with the people from Cornelius. He, uh, he's in Joppa. They're going up to Caesarea Maritima. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. That means some of the Christians that were like Peter's bodyguard were, went with him because otherwise Peter was... Well, so you know the time when Jesus waited for Lazarus to die and then he said, okay, now let's go to Bethany. And the rest of the disciples said, well, he's going to die. We might as well go with him. Uh, they tried to talk him out of it. Too late. Lazarus is dead. Jesus, I'm going anyway. He said, well, I guess we've got to go with him. <clears throat> Let's see if we can keep him out of trouble. But that's what I think happened here. Because uh, Peter announced that he was going with these Gentiles to the Roman, that for, for the, the seat of the Roman procurator was in Caesarea Maritima. So he was going <clears throat> to the, the seat of the Roman government where there's nothing but Gentiles everywhere. <clears throat> and so some of the brethren accompanied him, probably kind of drag him back. Uh, so the following day, they got to Caesarea, and now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. This is a very critical little descriptive comment. Just a little background, right? <clears throat> he called together his relatives and close friends because he wanted them all to be, the, the people that were important in his life, he wanted them to be there when this super important person, Peter, came to speak. <clears throat> Look at this. Never forget it. This is the way the gospel spreads. You remember the other day when we showed you the big picture of the, the 1961 Billy Graham re revival in Los Angeles? 143,000 people in uh, the Los Angeles Coliseum. You remember that picture? Woo, that was a big picture. Way more people come to Jesus because of this than get saved in a stadium full of 134,000 people. Unless their uncle or their aunt or their brother or their sister took them to the crusade at the Colosseum in the first place. <clears throat> because the gospel spreads through relationships. The gospel spreads through people saying, something has happened to me. Can I tell you about it? You got a minute? Can I just tell you a story of what happened to me? What are you doing this weekend? Do you, I'd like to take you to a concert. I'd like to go someplace. I'd like to show, can I share this book with you? This is just changing my life. <clears throat> we pray about reaching Granite Shoals. 
we pray about whatever it is that we, we believe the vision is for our ministry in this community. <clears throat> it's through the nurturing of relationships that a person who's infected with the gospel infects somebody else with the gospel. And Anna, what is the vision statement for Chick-fil-A? That's something about meaningful relationships, because Alan. Yeah. What? I, so I, I, I won't tell Alan that you just completely choked in the middle of church. Right. The, the, the impact. So this is this is the. Um, um, so the, Alan Williams, who owns the Chick Fil A here in town, this is a huge vision of his. Uh, He's starting at the store. It's about fostering meaningful relationships that can bless each other and bless the community. Uh, Because relationships is all there is. The gospel spreads through relationships. Um, A lot of people that I I, I know can be nurtured by impersonal websites and impersonal TV shows, but somewhere out there, there's a person who became Jesus in your life, a person who spoke the gospel into your life in some way or another. And so Cornelius has lined up all his, friend, his friends and close relatives. He didn't call the procurator, the Roman procurator. He didn't call... Uh, um, he called his friends and relatives and says, I want you to be here. Because I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be awesome and I want to share it with you. Boom. That just jumped out at me. You could turn a whole... You can make a whole sermon out of the rest of this, but I, but I think you can connect the dots. All right? You've got relationships with people... Uh, that's the way they're going to meet Jesus. So when Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter said, raised him up saying, Dude, I too am just a man. Stand up. Now, this is important. I mean, it's, all, it's, it's important um, that you know, Peter's getting down on, a, on a, a face-to-face kind of equal basis with him. Uh, don't make, I mean, I'm, I'm just a person just like you, uh, being real humble and kind of servant-oriented. But also, you know what? You know what hit me? This is just when my brain thinks sometimes. I'm thinking, okay, I'm Peter. I just walked into this house with a centurion with all his friends and relations. The place is jammed up. It's totally full. They're all Gentiles. And he's thinking... Lord, please help me, because I'm just a man. I don't know what I don't know what to do next. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, at that moment, he was like painfully aware that he had a huge responsibility on his shoulders. Yes, you're. Don't you think he was flabbergasted when Cornelius fell at his feet, worshipped? Well, yes, yes. Now, you understand that in, in this culture, in this time in history, people did that all the time. In the presence of, people, of superiors, uh, you, you, you are supposed to humble yourselves and, and show honor to people. Um, and, but this absolutely was not anything that Peter expected. But he didn't know what to expect. Get used to it. In the body of, when, when you're serving the Lord, get used to not knowing what to expect. The more you think, oh, I know what's going to happen next. I've seen this movie already. I know what's going to happen next. The more 
the more you're going to miss whatever God is doing. Now, Peter didn't know what to expect, but he certainly didn't expect for this guy to worship him. And wait, 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 I'm just a guy like you. We're just two, we're just two guys. We're just getting together. We're, uh, we're barbecuing, and we're going to have some bottles of wine, and we're just going to talk about the Lord. That's all we're getting. We're just, but he's also, I think, f- freaking out a little bit, like, oh, my goodness, what have I gotten myself? Lord, what have you gotten me into? First, it's with the sheet coming down from heaven and all the creepy stuff on it, and now I'm here, and people are worshiping me. Uh, I am having, he's feeling completely inadequate. When he's saying, I am just a man, that's also just bonk. Oh, my goodness, I am just a man. What am I going to do here? You're going to trust Jesus. That's what you're supposed to do. So as he talked with him, he entered, and he found Many people assembled, and he said to them, and this is important, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. And so that's why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for, because God showed me that it's going to be okay not call any man unholy or unclean. Okay, let's stop. Let's think about that for a second. That's a pretty big list. Right? Don't call any man unholy or unclean. That's a freaky big list. And you've got people in your life right now that you don't want to be on that list. There are entire cultures around the world. They're in... Entire um, character defects manifested in culture around the world, and you don't want those people on that list. You only want uh, you have a. We all have a list of people, right? Um, that we want to be on the list, and then we have another list of people that we don't think should be on the list, or if they're going to be on the list, we don't want them to be anywhere close to me on the list. <laughs> um, it's like, okay, so we're all, we're all in the same boat together, right? Well, I don't want you to be on my deck. Um, we're going to be on the same boat. You stay on your deck and I'll stay on my deck at least. Um, and this, as we talked about last week, this was just mind-boggling, historic. After spending his whole life as a good Jew, avoiding any contact with Gentiles, now he's at like a big giant Gentile block party. He's the guest of honor, kind of like the missionary at the cannibal convention. He's the guest of honor. Just let the Holy Spirit board this into your mind. We should not call anybody unholy or unclean. What people or persons are you having a problem right now putting on that list? I mean, so you're, yeah, okay, God, I know, I get it. Jesus died for the whole world and blah, 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 and I'm, I'm glad for that, okay. But like we talked about last week, just don't send me to preach to any of them. Peter said, that's why I came without even raising any objection when you sent for me because God told me. Good for Peter. How many times have you heard from God? And you know you've heard from God. And instead of saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and take a step, 
Instead of that, you went, la, 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 I can't hear you. I'm too busy. I'll talk about it tomorrow. At least when Peter heard from God, he said, okay, this is, I think this is going to turn out really bad. But okay, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then he says, so, I ask, for what reason you have sent me? Sent for me. Why am I here, basically? So I came. Now, can somebody please tell me what's going on? Okay, Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, right now, four days ago, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, yo, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered for God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He's staying at the house of Simon, the tanner by the sea, so don't get them mixed up. So I went for you immediately, and you've been kind enough to come. (laughs) And then there's this sort of portentous sentence. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all you have been commanded of the Lord. That's all I know. God said, to send for you, I, well, the the angel, it took me a long time to get over that, but um, that was a cool experience. Um, So I sent somebody to get you, and here we are, because obviously you have something amazing to tell us. So, the amazing Peter, everybody. But I'm just a man. I'm just a man. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, opening his mouth, this is so important. Probably the most important thing that you need to do whenever you're called upon to share your story is open your mouth. Do something. Maybe you don't know what you're going to say, but God's always faithful. He will give you what you need to say. It's pretty clear to me at this point that Peter did not have a lot of time to prepare. He didn't have any notes. He hadn't gotten on the internet and researched anything about stuff. He just... Let's see what comes out. Uh, He opened his mouth and said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, stop and say this, every nation is not talking about countries here. It's not like talking about, and in Turkey, and in Rome, and in Macedonia, every nation, this word uh, has to do with races. And every race and every culture they're different people they're not, we're not all the same we've got different traditions we speak different languages uh, but God is no longer the world is no longer going to be divided into Gentile nations and who are second class and Jews who have it all together and every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him and the word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching Peace through Jesus Christ, because he's Lord of all. And you'll say you just slip that in. Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. Uh, just in case you didn't know that, you've been serving Caesar. You've been calling Caesar Lord, but t- just, just to know, Jesus is Lord of all. 
You yourselves know. I found this really interesting. That's why it's all blue and all underlined. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You guys are, all you people hanging out here in Caesarea Maritima, 50, 60, 70 miles away from Jerusalem and Galilee, way over here on the coast of the Mediterranean, we're over here on the Jordan River. You guys already know all of this stuff. He didn't start out by saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus because you may not have heard anything about him since you're Romans and you're far away. He, Peter assumed because he was there, because he lived in this culture, because he read the newspapers, he had all the blogs, he was, he watched it, he was accessible to all the media outlets from that whole part of the country. He knew that everywhere people, he went, he met people who knew about Jesus already. They might have been still scratching their heads trying to figure it out, but this was not a secret. Peter was not carrying around a secret, which God had given him to reveal to people, because he said, you know, the things which took place throughout all Judea started in Galilee uh, from the time that Jesus was being baptized by John. And you know, you've heard of Jesus and God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and about how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You you know about all that stuff. I thought, I found this very surprising. I I mean, I've read it a million times. It just didn't sink in until that. He wasn't telling anybody a secret. These people, it it was common knowledge. That's important when you're talking about historical documentation of stuff. This is common knowledge. Um, And he had just been invited to come and put some context around it for these people. He had gotten the Gentiles' attention. We are witnesses to all those things. I mean, you've heard about it. But I'm here to tell you, it's absolutely true. We saw it. We experienced it. I was there. Let me tell you about it. It did crash. Um, okay, but I, I have some backup notes, backup notes here, so I'll just keep reading. Oh, that's fast. Okay, we're go- we're getting there. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Good, 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 good. Is it misbehaving? Okay, lost him. Well, while Jim's downstream wrestling the alligator, I will just keep reading. We are witnesses of the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Let me tell you what we saw. One more. There you go. I don't know how Paul survived without having one of these things. We are witnesses of all these things he did both in in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem. Let me tell you what we saw. We saw, that, we saw him put to death by hanging on the cross. We saw him raised up on the third day. Uh, and God granted that he became visible, not to everybody, not to everybody, but to witnesses 
who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us. We ate with him. We drank with him after he rose from the dead. <laughs> now, how many of you know somebody who had a random encounter at some point with somebody famous? You know, like, ran into Elvis in a restaurant. I mean, not recently, but... Uh, but <laughs> Randy saw Willie Nelson at the gas station. And Willie, Willie said, uh, excuse me, you're, you're blocking my van. <laughs> so, Chuck... You shook hands with Roy Rogers? All right. And petted Trigger? My... What? Con- who? A football player? You met you met Earl Campbell. Oh, so so tell some of your stories. Johnny Unitas. Never mind, Anna. You don't know any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, but but you had a hookup. Because oh, oh, your mom was in what kind of business? My mom did public for Sears. For Sears, and so so all these people came in to work uh, to do promotional stuff for Sears. They all Laura had to sit on their laps and act cute, and um, so there's just something about knowing about a celebrity. And it's something else to either meet a celebrity or even if you have a best friend who met a celebrity. It's sort of, it's like, ooh, that's, that's kind of cool. That's really kind of cool. Yeah, that's right. And so here's, here's Peter telling the story. Uh, we ate with him. We drank with him uh, after he rose from the dead. I mean, you know, we saw him die, and then we had, he, cooked, he cooked breakfast for us. Um, so what kind of powerful message is that to these people who've heard about it, but all secondhand, and now here's Peter saying, yeah. He, he, said, he said, put your, no, your net on the other side of the boat, and we got this huge catch of fish, and I just had to dive in the water and swim to the to the, the beach because I couldn't believe it was Jesus and, and he, was, he had bacon and eggs. No, he didn't have bacon and eggs. He, had, he was cooking fish. You know, anybody know? Anybody? This is an extra point question. What's the name of the kind of fish, the number one fish that swims in uh, the Sea of Galilee? Anybody? Carp? No. Well, I actually don't know but, but, but the fish, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know the actual genus. All I know is that the local people call it Peter's fish. And we are touring in Israel, and you, you get to that part of the country, you're going to eat Peter's fish until you're petered out. It's just... Uh, <laughs> because it's, it's everywhere. They serve it all the time. And I don't know. It could be crappie for all I know, but, they, but it's called Peter's fish because they take it out of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so, he ordered us, well, while we were sitting there, eating breakfast and hanging out, he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify 
that he was the one who has been appointed by God as a judge of the living of the dead. Of all of the prophets, bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And so now let me tell you how to receive forgiveness of sins. I mean, he's winding up. He's, he's kind of getting, he's about to give his, his third point and do his closing poem. And he's, he's going to bring it home. He's, he's teed it up here to get through the big finish. Through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So let me just tell you, but while Peter was still speaking these words, in other words, he had more words he wanted to speak. He wasn't finished yet. Pardon the interruption. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message and all the circumcised believers who came with Peter freaked out because the gift of the Holy Spirit was suddenly being poured out on the Gentiles and they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God and, and Peter answered, shoot, I guess we just need to go ahead and baptize them all because they've already got the Holy Spirit. I didn't even get to finish my sermon. The Holy Spirit just came down. Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, Kenny, and by just as we did. This is, this is real important. How did the first disciples receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1? The day of Pentecost happened. Uh, honestly, Pentecost was last. Ce- the annual celebration of the day of Pentecost was last Sunday. We missed it. So this is sort of like a makeup. Um, <laughs> they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. We were just sitting around, minding our own business, and the Holy Spirit came out of nowhere and just boom, hit all of us and completely rearranged our stock drawer. And here they are. Peter and James, and Peter and John had been going around before this up to places like Samaria and laying hands on people that they'd received the Holy Spirit. Pachung, woo, pachung, woo, pachung, like that. Um, but in this case, the Holy Spirit just came. The Holy Spirit just covered them all. The Holy Spirit just blanketed the whole assembly. And every single person... Cornelius, all of his family, all of his relatives who didn't have any idea what to expect. Suddenly, boom, just hit with the Holy Spirit. In this case, uh, speaking with tongues and praising God, they were, they were emotionally, physically, spiritually impacted and changed. So Peter said, I don't... Let's baptize them. Might as well baptize them. They received the Holy Spirit. The whole point, as you know, by now in chapter, now that we're in chapter 10, what was the main point of the ministry of the church up to this time? Making sure that people had a life-changing encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point. An encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes people's hearts and minds. And so, boom, it happened. Peter didn't actually get to do anything except tell part of his story. And listen, this is why I encourage you to just tell your story 
and leave the rest up to God. You tell your story. of your life with Jesus however God shows you to tell it and then everything else is up to the Holy Spirit this is not an argument this is not a debate this is not a let me tell you show you how much smarter I am than you let me give you a bunch of facts that you can't refute let's take our facts and bang them against each other and argue this is I'm just going to tell you my story and everything else is up to the Holy Spirit and in this case Peter just barely got through telling his story and didn't get to give the invitation. Just as I am. None of that. He was, we'll never know what the rest of his sermon would have been because the Spirit of God just fell and the entire room was in love with Jesus. That is so... Amazing. That is so amazing. And that's why that was, that's where the energy and the drive and the vision and the presence and the power came from. It was this excitement of seeing people encounter the living God in ways that change people's lives. Not about building buildings. It's not about uh, getting people elected to Congress. It's not about anything except connecting people with Jesus and letting Jesus change people and letting that change societies. And this, is, this just happened because God wanted it to happen. All right, that's a cool story. That's an amazing story. So what happened to Brownsville? Um, well, life happened to Brownsville. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's been written about it in the years since. Um, politics happened to Brownsville a little bit because um, in Assembly of God Church and in, in the Assembly of God churches as in a, a lot of denominations there's an authority structure and the people in Springfield, Missouri which is the international world headquarters of the Assemblies of God were just it, Brownsville Assembly was a little bit too, too Pentecostal even for the, the people in uh, the Assemblies of God so they kept sending people down there to kind of first they wanted to they wanted to see is there any way we can export this to the rest of our churches uh, because this is obviously big boost in attendance if we can somehow kind of catch this lightning in a bottle and train people in how to do it and then they can go back and do it in some of the other churches then then that would be a good thing right um, except you can't catch the Holy Spirit in a bottle you, you either uh, you either let the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do or you, you just get out of the way because uh, but there was a lot of sort of hierarchical stuff that went on and um, eventually all of the main pastors moved on. They went other places. Um, they went to start other churches and brought in new people and um, so I don't understand all the background but why, there's some people say well there was eventually became disagreements between those guys and, some, and, and then there's some people say well it's just time to move on um, well, the net result was all the leadership moved away. And so Brownsville just kind of coasted. Um, but in that space of five or six years, a lot of people's lives were changed. A lot of people's lives were changed. 
Um, matter of fact, I was reading an article last night from a guy who said I was there. Um, he was one of the people that had been sent from Springsfield to check it out. Said, I, all I can tell you is that there are a lot of new ministries that have sprung up all around the world from people who experienced the revival at Brownsville and moved on with it to other places. A lot of people answered calls to ministry. A lot of people started churches. A lot of people went into the mission field. A lot of lives were changed. And so the, the seeds of the Brownsville revival are still producing fruit today, even though Brownsville itself um, is just a blip on the Pensacola radar. I think one of the things that happened to the whole Brownsville initiative is that um, it's so easy to forget your mission. Do everybody remember what the in- initial mission for that, that got Browns, the Brownsville revival started? I told you at the beginning of the sermon. This, the message was repentance. Just calling people back to Jesus. At some point, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but it's just kind of true. At some point, the Brownsville revival stopped being in the eyes of most of the people in that were following it, it stopped being a call to repentance and started being a theme park ride. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, that people just went to experience the experience. Um, and it's like it was on the tour, the Pensacola tour. Oh, we can, if we hurry, we can catch the six o'clock service at Brownsville and maybe we'll get, something will happen to us. It was, now, there's, I know that there is a hunger in people's hearts to have a life-changing, supernatural encounter with the presence of God. So I'm not trying to minimize that. But at some point, people just started going for the experience for the sake of the experience and lost sight of the fact that this is, we're calling people back to a life-changing relationship with Jesus and I'm great if you got slain in the spirit, fine. You go home and you tell people that you got slain in the spirit, okay. But it had changed your relationship with Jesus. Or was it, I want to go again, I want to go again. So I think this happens, it's not just an issue with Brownsville, it just happens. Movements with God eventually, movements of God eventually get transmogrified into movements of men who forget what the mission was. So I'm just saying, probably the point that I want to take away from this whole thing today is you have to be ready. It's clear that God wants people to be filled with the Spirit. Nothing would make me happier than if God would just completely interrupt my sermon and tell me to sit down and shut up, and maybe he has, and I've just completely blown right through it. But I would just like for the Holy Spirit to just fall and change people's lives because it's him showing up. That's the prayer of my heart every day, all the time. That's, it's clear because what happened at, at Cornel, with Cornelius and Peter, that that's what God wants. That's his plan, is to draw people to him by life-changing powers of the, with the Holy Spirit. So we just need to obey and stay out of the way. Even if God calls us to do something weird and creepy like talk to people on the list, even though we didn't know they were on the list and we don't want them to be on the list, to be able to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Oh, can you send somebody else? My brother Aaron or somebody. Can you just send somebody else? I'm not any good at this. But you went, you go, you open your mouth, and then you believe the Holy Spirit's going to show up. That's the bottom line. When the Holy Spirit shows up, 
people's lives are changed. Father, in the name of Jesus. Remind us, Lord, every day that life with you starts with repenting and turning our backs from the old me, me, me life and stepping into the great adventure of the, okay, God, I'll, I'll go. Give me your power. Give me your words, but, but I'll go. I'll be who you want me to be. I'm trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. occurs to me as we prepare for this table that as we hear about Peter just telling his 